Welcome to Fierce Female Radio. I'm your host, Estelle, from FierceFemaleCo.com, your female empowerment coach. If you're ready to dive in deep and learn all the tips, rituals, and insights to help you let go of the old version of yourself and unleash your inner fierce, then you are in the right place. This is your space for uncut and real conversations with real women about all things, dreams and desires, mindset, holistic wellness, balance, and spirituality. Hello, beautiful people. What's up? And welcome to Fierce Female Radio. It's Estelle here, your host, your fierce and feminine BFF, empowerment coach and the founder of Fierce Female Co., where we are all about activating your inner queen energy and helping you leave behind a basic life and embrace a life of fulfillment and deep purpose instead. Guys, welcome to the show. I feel like it's been forever. It's only been two weeks, but like, I kind of miss this. I kind of miss this weekly. We'll see how we go. If we can up that um, a little bit later, maybe after the bub is due. Well, maybe not. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it then. (laughs) Guys, I'm excited to be here because this episode with Cherie is seriously life-changing. I'm going to go into that in a little bit more detail in a moment because... I mean, like when I re-listened to this episode, I was like taking notes. I was so, there's so much information and and content and knowledge in here. Um, So I'm so excited for you to get your little hands on this and have access to this. So yes, but before we do that, guys, my fierce female tip of the week is... It's, it's about the energy of abundance. Now, this is something that I've been playing around with for a lot, for a lot, for a lot, for a while recently. It's something that I learned a few years ago and I've been building on this knowledge and energy and essentially this craft of abundance for a few years now. And most recently, you know, I have acquired some information and some knowledge and through my own experience has really shifted the perception that I have of abundance and the perception that I have of money and the energetics of money, right? And so one tip, there's so much I can go into that and I'm actually going to talk about that in a moment in my upcoming masterclass. But one thing that I wanted to provide you with a bit of a tip today is being really conscious and... um aware of the energy that you have when you are engaging with money. So if you think about when you engage with money, that is a number of times throughout the day. It's when you're paying bills. It's when you're at the grocery store. Um, when you receive an update maybe for your PayPal account, when you um, purchase an item, like there's so many, you drive your car, like there's so many things in which you're exchanging um, the energy of money. And so what I want you to think about is how can you approach that exchange from a place of gratitude? Okay. So whether it whether it be paying a, an electricity bill, right? How can you fully sit there in a space of gratitude and excitement because you get to have access to electricity? There are so many people in this world that do not have access to the simple pleasure that we do. And so feeling excited and feeling grateful that you get to pay for this bill, that you get access to this, you know, going to the grocery store and being excited and grateful grateful about the tomatoes that you're buying, smelling the tomatoes, you know, um, going into the, 
I don't know, the gluten-free section and being excited about the gluten-free pasta you're going to make or, you know, the bone broth you're going to cook, like whatever it is being having so much intention behind your spending and intention behind your money and the energy and being so aware of the energy that you have because if your energy is rooted in lack and rooted in frustration you are only going to get that you're only going to get more of that right so making sure that you are grateful of what you have and you're so conscious and intentional about the energy behind it and not only does this help you to attract way much more abundance like and that's something I go into in a lot more detail in the masterclass but it it really really does but it also just allows you to enjoy um life and to enjoy experiences and just everyday things so much more right when you approach it from a from a place of gratitude and intention everything starts to change right? So I really challenge you to do this, whether it's, you know, and think about it from a practical perspective first, like, you know, grab a pen, grab a paper and think about, okay, great. Like how, what's the, how can I first start to implement this? You know, the next exchange you have with money, you know, if you're buying petrol and you're swiping your card, smiling, you know, taking a moment and being consciously aware of the fact that you have the funds available to you to pay for that petrol. Maybe at a certain point in your life, you didn't have that. And really just connecting with that and knowing that this petrol in your car is going to take you to brunch with your girlfriends, is going to allow you to visit your family, you know, take you on that road trip that you wanted to go on. So just being really aware of of all of the abundance that you already have in your life, that energy is what is going to allow you to attract more abundance into your life, okay? And if you're excited about this, if you want to learn more about this, um, this is something that we dive into more into the Fierce Masterclass. So this is my live upcoming masterclass for women who are ready to master their mindset, be the fierce leader of their own life and manifest their wildest dreams. So just depending on when you're listening to this podcast, we are going to be hosting this live on Thursday, um, Australian Easter Standard Time on the 3rd of June, I believe. Um, so there is a link in the show notes for you to access that. And we're really going deep into the manifestation creation process here. And more importantly, supporting you in lifting the veil. Okay. So lifting the veil of doubt, of fear, of insecurity, of smallness, we are activating your fierceness and attuning you to your juiciest desires. Okay. So you can access this masterclass by going to fiercefemaleco.mykajabi.com slash the dash fierce dash masterclass. You can also connect with us on Instagram at Fierce Female Co, um, where I'm going to be sharing more about the masterclass as well. This is really going to be magic. Like we are waking you up to the magic inside of you during this masterclass. So make sure you join us and um, get access to this to this live program, this live masterclass that we're doing because there's so much incredible content in here. Um, so I'm excited for you guys to access that. Okay, so in today's episode, guys, we are speaking with the beautiful Cherie. This episode, like Hand on Heart, is life-changing because 
Um, we just talk about so much. There's so much that we talk about here when it comes to um, nutrition, when it comes to our perception of our bodies, when it comes to gut health, hormones, so much. Um, Cherie is a hormone specialist, a hormone nutritionist, and she's a wellness coach as well. And so specifically in this episode, we dive into what role women's hormones play on our mood, on our weight, on our energy levels. We talk about some common symptoms for women who experience hormone imbalances. Okay. And Cherie also dishes out some advice for women who are struggling to lose weight and are doing all the things, right? So if you're doing all the things, counting all those calories, working out, and you're still struggling to lose those, you know, five kgs, make sure you check out um, this episode and tune in because she she drops some really, really good information and perspectives on how you can start to adopt a different approach when it comes to your weight loss journey as well. How to break away from from an obsession with food. This is something that Sheree and I both talked to. This is something I definitely had before. Um, and so I think it's a really important conversation to have. Also, we talk about how stress influences our hormones and ability to lose weight. We talk about gut health, what it actually is and how it affects us when our gut health isn't strong what holistic steps you can take to start to heal your gut and how do we know when our gut isn't happy. We also talk about the different phases of our hormone cycle and shifting the way you cook and prepare food during the different phases of your hormone cycle. Oh my God, when Cherie dropped this, I was just like super inspired and excited. Um, also, she shares some tangible tips to prevent burnout. So, so much of this episode, guys, a powerful conversation. I know you're going to love this. Um, really an opportunity for you to implement steps straight away to reclaiming your health, um, you know, healing your gut and reframing the way you think about your body and weight loss. So dive in guys. I'm excited for this one. Hello beauties. Welcome to Fierce Female Radio. Today we have Cherie on the show. She is a hormone nutritionist, a wellness coach, helping burnout babes heal their gut and hormones reclaim their energy, raise their vibe and have the freedom in their bodies and business. She also happens to be a qualified nutritionist and previously a personal trainer, supporting women in a holistic perspective from the mind, body, soul and beauty. Welcome to the show, Cherie. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be here and have this conversation today. Yes, me too. Me too, me too. Sheree and I connected last year. Um, we were both in the same program and we just, she's from New Zealand. I'm from Australia. So I felt like we hit it off often. Everyone's from the US, right? Yes. <laughs> so common. That's why I'm so, I'm so it's nice. Everyone thinks. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Sorry everyone on. always thinks we're in the same country. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. That was funny. That was good. I mean, look, we're only, I think our time zone's only two hours apart though. So we're doing well. Is that right? Is it two now yes. or one? Yeah, it's two now, I think. Two. Oh, good. Good old time zone changes. <laughs> That's it. And I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. You've got so much wisdom and knowledge that I'm really, really keen to share um, with the Fierce Female Radio audience because I've noticed that the podcast episodes that we that we release around wellness seem to be pretty popular. I reckon they're like one of the favorites. So I'm excited to dive deeper into this. Yeah, I think there's just so much to discuss too. And with everything that's gone on in the past year and a half or so, health is a really hot topic and everyone's wanting to know how to maximize it, right? Totally, totally. I think, yeah, last year's people have just really, you know, I mean, you couldn't run away from that realization, right? No, 
No, and there's yeah. a lot we can do to really optimize your health. So we might as might as well make the most of the knowledge that we do have in front of us. That's it. That's it. That's it. So we're going to kick off with some rapid fire questions. So Sheree, perfect. What holiday destination are you daydreaming about right now? Honestly, just getting over to Europe. Like Italy would probably be my first place that I could go if the world reopened up. <laughs> oh my god, I feel you. I totally feel you. Whereabouts in Italy? I would just on. I would take like six weeks or eight weeks off and just do the whole lot. <laughs> it's there's, there's too many beautiful places and food that that just it all seems way too appealing. There's nothing specific. <laughs> I know what you mean. It's like I just love Italy. The culture, the food, the people like the landscape it's just divine mm-hmm. heaven oh well hopefully who knows who knows when that's gonna happen <laughs> fingers crossed that's it and so what does your morning ritual look like I'm excited to know what your answer is to this do you have like a specific morning ritual um I do. And to be honest, which is something we'll probably dive into a little bit further into the podcast, but um, mine actually changes depending on where I'm at in my cycle. But if we're, if we're just wanting to keep this rapid fire, I'll tell you my normal one. Um, so I'll start the morning with about a 20 minute to half an hour meditation, followed by some gratitude and journaling. Um, and then I will make sure that I've got some sort of movement, whether it's just um, some stretches or a full-on yoga session or even some training and then um, have my breakfast because that's super important. So it's quite simple but um, effective. Yeah, but you touch on all the aspects, right? You're doing something for your mind, mm-hmm. for your body, for your energy and your soul. That's so mm-hmm. good. And to get specific, what um, do you do your meditation on a certain app or is there someone that you're vibing right now that you're listening to? Yeah, again, that that kind of depends like where I'm where I'm at, what's going on. I love, I fell in love with um Dr. Joe Dispenser's book called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. Mm. And I'd started doing his meditations that go along with that. And it completely changed the way I meditated. Like I've been meditating for years now and then completely switched how I viewed even meditation itself. So that was kind of transforming. And from there I've kind of just I love Insight Timer as well. That's probably my other go-to. Yes, I've only recently got into Insight Timer like the last month and I really love it. Mm, Just love so the variety. <laughs> and you can search like if you only have five minutes or 10 minutes or you've got, mm-hmm. you know, it's good. It's really good. I quite like it. Oh, yeah. so good. Thank you for that. That's super juicy. And yes, really keen. We'll dive into it more um, in terms of your cycle and what mm-hmm. adjustments you might make because I think that's really, that's really powerful. So what's something that you're grateful for at the moment, Sheree? I'm grateful for the opportunity for me. I've just made a big transition from like doing my personal training at the gym whilst doing my nutrition work. So I'm actually really just grateful for being able to hone in my skills and go full out on the side of the business and really serve people in such a deep way. Oh, that's so exciting. That's so such, such an exciting move. Yes. And really like, you know, really aligned, like the fact that you, you know, you've had years of experience in that personal training journey and now, you know, it's like a natural transition, right? Oh, exactly. Like I've always done the nutrition alongside of it, but being able to really focus on where the hormones and the gut health come in. And I found that's what I was talking to my PT clients about all the time anyway. And I was like, it's actually going to be serving people on a lot deeper level if I have them in a proper consultation where we can go through and they have full attention on that and being able to, to leave the training to, to other trainers where that's their heart and soul. Yeah. Beautiful. 
Love that. Love that. And what is one book that you would recommend to every woman to read? So the number one thing I think for women to read would be In the Flow by Alyssa Vitti. I hope I say her name right. Um, In the Flow by Alyssa Vitti. Yes. So Mm -hmm. that is an amazing book if you're wanting to understand anything around the basics around your hormones, how to sync your cycle. It's it's really transformative for, for anyone who's who's struggling with anything in their life because it really puts into perspective how much our hormones change throughout our entire lives and what we should be doing to nourish and support them through every different cycle of not only our life, but within our own period cycle every month as well. Oh, wow. I have to read that. That sounds yeah. really, really interesting. Okay, cool. On the list, Alyssa Vitti. Yes. Okay. Awesome. That's so good. And so what's one fierce female that you're crushing on right now and why? I have to say, like, I'm still such a massive fan of Natalie Ellis from, um, from boss babe. She's just, I feel like we would be soul sisters if we lived in the same country. I could totally (laughs) see that actually. (laughs) I could totally see that. I know she's already got a best friend, but you know, there's a third wheel. So <laughs> there's always opportunities, always opportunities. Yes. And she's, yeah, actually they've got a really great podcast as well, don't they? Oh, incredible. Yeah. They actually interviewed Alyssa Vitti from, um, in the flow on that. So that was amazing. So, oh, okay. Amazing. Oh, that's good. That's a good one to check out yes. for anyone who's like, I love to listen to a podcast episode, um, with an author before I dive into their book. I just find yes. it like, you know, if I'm going to, you know, probably spend eight hours or something <laughs> reading a book, <laughs> I want to know that I really resonate with them. Exactly. Yeah. And she, she covers a lot, um, in that episode. So yeah, definitely. That's the number one podcast I like episode I've recommended to anyone this year is to go and listen to that oh okay cool on the list so good so good and so okay can you share with us some more about like I know this is such a big topic and I'm so excited to dive in but I'd love if you could just share with us Sheree like about your health journey and what made you want to help people and specifically women heal their gut and their hormones yeah I love this question um it's quite funny because I quite often get asked oh when did this start for you and it was only recently, a couple of years ago that I realized it actually started when I was about 22 months old, yet I didn't know mm. it. So that's when I was diagnosed with something called celiac disease. It sounds a lot worse than it is. Um, mm. It's an autoimmune condition, meaning that I, I'm severely intolerant or allergic to gluten and my body typically attacks itself if I was to ingest or eat gluten. And so that from my whole life is pretty much, I can always remember being on a diet And I was always having to read the back of nutrition labels. I was always having to know what ingredients were in things. So foods pretty much always consumed me, if that makes sense. And so as I started to get older, I went and I wanted to be um, a PE teacher at at the school and teach that. And then I, I went to university for it and fell in love with nutrition there. And it was through like trialing the stuff that I was learning that I started to become very obsessive around food. And I didn't quite realize what was going on or that I'd become in this state and that food had pretty much become my life. And I developed an an eating disorder. It was mild, but still very obsessive, still bulimic um, during during about three or four years. And I, I actually saw a nutritionist during that time for the first two years who was very focused on counting calories. Everything was about calories in, calories out. And that was just consuming me day in, day out. Oh my goodness. I, I used to weigh everything down to the gram and it became a very unhealthy relationship with food. 
the reason I bring this up is because I think a lot of the time we don't realize at that point, we think it's just food and exercise. That's what happens to get results, to shift weight in the body, to feel good, all that sort of thing. But what I didn't realize at that time was what was going on with my hormones. And so during the time I was going through this massive kind of up and down roller coaster, weight gain, weight loss because of the eating disorder, I was also on the oral contraceptive pill. And so when I finally settled down and, and got my, my eating under control and my eating overcame my eating disorder, I had all these issues still. And for some reason at that point, I couldn't lose weight and I couldn't quite figure out why. And I was fortunate enough to go and see someone that actually pointed out to me the detrimental effects that were going on in my body as a result of this pill. Part of it could have even contributed to my mindset developing that eating disorder, which is a whole wow. nother, a whole nother topic to talk about. But from that, that's where I really, I started to see we are not told the root cause of our issues. We are not taught about the damage that some of these things that we're given just handed out like candy can actually do to our bodies. And that's where, I, when I noticed the change from coming off the pill and the adrenal fatigue that came with that, the gut issues that came with that, because my body had been in such a state, that's when I was like, something has to be done about this. And it is my mission now to help other women realize not only what's going on into their bodies, but what's going on inside of their bodies. Wow. That is so incredible. I feel like that is something I would imagine lots of women can relate to. The not maybe not necessarily the eating disorder, even though that's super common these yes. days. Um, but also the obsession with food mm. and how much it consumes us. Like I remember when I was, you know, for many years, I'd say um, teens and early twenties, really it puts so much emphasis and energy and thought around food. And it's kind of like looking back, you're like, it's actually sad. Like it's a mm -hmm. sad, it's a sad stage of existence because I was just like, wow, I wonder what I could have been like <laughs> consuming my time and thoughts and energy with if I wasn't obsessing over food and how I looked and everything. Um, but it is, it's so real and it's so, um, like you said, it's an obsession and it's, it's mm -hmm. an addiction and it's really hard to break that cycle. Like you said, without going into the root cause and understanding where those issues came from and also looking at you know the foods and the medication and mm -hmm. any of the other kind of um, products you consume and how that impacts you um, and I think the pills are really interesting the contraception pills interesting conversation as well I think everybody mm -hmm. every everybody's body reacts differently to it I know for me I was only on it for I think maybe a year uh, maybe less than a year mm -hmm. and I noticed I noticed a huge change in um like my energy, I just felt really numb. Like I was just mm. like no emotion, no passion, no nothing. Um, and also my like sex drive and libido completely reduced. Yes. I was like, well, what the hell is the point of me taking this? If it's yes. not, if I don't even want to have sex anyway. So I think it's so, it's such an interesting thing, isn't it? And so from that you realized, so when did you stop taking the pill? That was, um, so this was a new like nutritionist that I decided to go and see. And she mm -hmm. said to me, she's like, you know, it depletes you from zinc, B vitamins, your magnesium. Like there's a whole host of nutrients it depletes you from. She's like, it's going to lower your sex drive. It's going to be um, destroying your gut integrity. It's going to be loading up the liver. And she just started listing off, like it's contributed to the mood swings, the weight gain, everything. And I was just like, there's no warning sign put on the front of this like little pill that mm. says all of that as a potential repercussion. 
And I am, I do believe like the pill has its place. I'm not a hundred percent against it because, you know, it's empowered women to be able to take control of their bodies and, and, you know, their fertility. And it's allowed a lot of women to go into the workforce. Like when you look back prior to this, like there's been a massive revolution since the pill. The issue is it's not, it's not evolving with the time. It's not being re-looked at as to what else, what are the damages it can be doing. And so from that moment, she's like, you know, it's completely up to you if you want to stay on it or come off it. And I didn't take it the next day. I was sold mm. because I'm like, if this is actually what's going on. And the thing is, I didn't realize any of those symptoms were linked to this pill. So what happened for me, Estelle, was I actually went on the pill around 14. So yeah. it was really young. It wasn't for contraceptive. It was actually for my skin. Yes, that's so common, isn't it? Oh my God, they give you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I took it thinking that, you know, this is, and it did, it cleared up my skin right away. I was so much happier in that respect. But you know how you said you went on it and for a year you were like, oh, wow, this is ruining my libido. This is ruining my, my mood and all that sort of thing. Because I was transitioning through puberty and this again happens to so many people you're not even aware of who you really would have been or who you are. Like you don't notice any changes because you're 14, mm, you know? Not, well, I certainly wasn't having sex at that age. Yeah. So, so it's not like, oh, I haven't got a sex drive. It's like, well, that's just normal not to have a sex drive. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of that going on in the back end too, where people are given it for other reasons. And then I honestly, I was on it for almost 10 years and I didn't even know wow. like that it was doing this to my body. And I didn't yeah. know myself without it. Wow. That's incredible, isn't it? It's so, it's so interesting. But it, it, at the same token, it's like, unless you wouldn't have gone through that journey, you wouldn't have realized like that deep passion and mission now that you have to help women with their health, with their gut health and with their hormones. So kind of taking a, a side kind of step when mm. it comes to, when it comes to hormones, like if we can talk about weight loss for a moment, right? Yeah. Because I imagine this is something that a lot of women might come to you for, and I feel like this is something that people come like might come to you for initially, but then realize mm -hmm. there's like so much <laughs> under the so surface much more going that. on. Yeah, it's like <laughs> so the surface level stuff, but deep down, this is all the, this is all the things. But um, like when it comes to weight loss, like what role does do our hormones have to play, and how does it affect the weight that we carry? Yeah, perfect. Beautiful question. So when it comes to weight loss, I like to think of that, like you say, as very surface level. So the reason we'll be holding weight is because there will be some sort of root cause underneath that, whether it's your gut health, your hormones, your liver's playing up, your body's inflamed or a whole host of combinations of all of this. And typically the body does work as one. If we're looking specifically at hormones and it can be really hard to pinpoint, but there are typical signs. So for example, if there's an estrogen dominance in the body, so estrogen is one of, it's one of our beautiful um, hormones that helps make us feel confident. It gives us our natural feminine curves. Um, it, it makes your skin really glow. It's really picked up during ovulation. So it's that awesome focus and concentration. I, I, it's like the Beyonce of hormones. If you think about how incredible she is, like, and you know, her curvaceousness and courage and confidence, that's estrogen right but too much of that and we start to see the thighs get like really quite thick and we develop a lot of weight gain around the hips and the hips and the thighs when it comes to something like cortisol which is our stress hormone so it's not actually considered part of our sex hormones that's another one that's really common for weight gain so we can either actually have too much of this which is when we start to see the symptoms of things like burnout or adrenal fatigue depending which term you want to use 
or we have we get to a point where we've had so much and then the body is so fatigued and burnt out that we end up with too little cortisol but either is going to result in um, extra weight gain because when the body is stressed what typically happens is it will run predominantly on, on glucose or sugar in the body so if it's burning glucose as a fuel source the whole time it's saying that we don't really need to be burning the fat and when our cortisol is high our insulin levels are also spiked which is another hormone that contributes to regulating our blood sugar levels and now when insulin is told you know to be released and picked up in the body when there's high glucose levels we're also told to shut down burning any fat so you've got this famine response that then starts to occur mm. and it's this nasty cycle that that really goes on. So you've got this high cortisol, this high insulin levels, the body is blocking fat burning, but there's also communicating, hey, there's not enough food left in the world. We're under this much stress. That must be what's driving the stress when you think back way back to our caveman days. And so as a result, we get told that, okay, whatever food we eat, burn what you need to, but store the rest as fat as well. So it's, it's, we get trapped in the cycle. And a lot of people think that, you know, calories in calories out, but if you are living a life full of constant stress, which I mean, who isn't nowadays, when you think about multiple different stresses, not just physical stress, but emotional and mental and environmental, there's so many things going on. You're going to be stuck in this cycle too, that can contribute to weight gain. Wow. That's massive. And I, I totally agree with you where it's like, it's, especially when you look at things like calorie counting, there is so much that goes on behind the surface as opposed to in it, like calories in calories out. Like it's just, mm -hmm. that can't be the way we look at things considering, you know, you drink a diet Coke and you know, it has zero calories, but you think that's having no impact on um, your body or your weight gain or, you know, um, your cells and things like that. So I think it's, yeah. And that's when it comes to stress, right? So when it comes to stress or adrenaline mm -hmm. fatigue or those high cortisol levels, what is so that's the main thing that you notice in terms of um the impact the, the the influence that that has on the body's ability to then lose weight yeah definitely one of the main things like stress to me is probably the the pinnacle of everything when we look at it if we can manage our stress levels you're going to help your gut health you're going to manage your hormones you're going to settle down the load on the liver there's so many different things that it has an impact on so yes yeah yeah and so what are some pieces of advice like some some practical kind of steps that people can take um to reduce their stress levels that you feel really influence um the hormones and then allow the body to start to take its natural course in, in losing that weight. Obviously, mm -hmm. if you're eating, you know, healthy foods and exercising. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So to give a little context as to why these tips would work, I'll just real briefly explain something called the autonomic nervous system. So we have um, the autonomic nervous system and the central nervous system and the autonomic nervous system is broken into your parasympathetic and your sympathetic. So your parasympathetic is predominantly responsible for our rest and digestion and we should be living in this around 23 hours a day and the other hour might be exercise right <laughs> and that's wow. where the stress will come in and then the sympathetic again like I said that's maybe one hour of your day if that and that is where our fight or flight response kicks in or freeze and this is where our, adre our adrenaline's kicked up our cortisol's kicked up because the body is responding to stress so for example, back in the day, you may have been chased through the forest by a tiger. Your body's going to go into sympathetic state because your life is literally in threat. It's under fight or flight, you run, you know, or you maybe you were trying to attack it. 
But now we have this stress of, oh my goodness, look at the email inbox that I have that's full. Look at all the things that I have to do as a business owner, you know, just like yourself, you would know the list just never ends. And so there's all those stresses, not to mention the emotional stress from relationships or friendships or family. And you've got, like I talked about, the other stresses that can come into play. And that's why we tend to live in this sympathetic state. So the tools that I recommend to get you to losing weight is because it's going to shift you out of that glucose predominant sympathetic state and into your parasympathetic state where your body knows that it's safe. And when it's safe, it'll let go of fat because it's not worried that you're in a famine and you're needing this fat to survive. Mm. Does that make sense? hundred percent. Yeah. And you explained that really well. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So the first tip when it comes to managing your stress levels, it's going to sound ridiculously easy, but breathe. And it's not just a normal breath. Well, it should be our normal breath, I should say, because when we're in our sympathetic state, our our heart rate increases. Think about when you exercise, right? Your heart rate increases, your blood pressure increases, you start to sweat. There's all that sort of thing going on. Everything's moving quick around the body. When we're in our parasympathetic state, we should actually be breathing really deeply, nice and slowly, heart rates really settled. And we're breathing all the way into our diaphragm or into our belly. So a really easy trick that you can do to switch your body from sympathetic to parasympathetic in a matter of six breaths is belly breathing. So you want to inhale as much as you can through the nose and out through the nose and take a really beautiful time to do that. So if you were to even take three deep breaths right now, if as you breathe in and count, should, we do, three, should we do it together? Yes, let's do it together. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to take a nice deep breath pop your hands on your belly and mm-hmm. if you're listening do this even if you're maybe not if you're driving but <laughs> so just notice the state change so take a deep breath into your belly one two three and then exhale one two three four inhale again one two three and exhale one, two, three, four. And we'll just go for one more and just see if you can expand the belly a little bit more. Two, three, and then exhale, feel the belly come back in. Two, three, four. Mm. And so that wasn't even the full six breaths, which is what it really needs to switch over. But you'll notice. And, you, you know, when, when you talk, you notice that how I'm talking now is at a lot slower, a lot calmer rate. And if you just did that with us, you should feel a lot calmer just from those three deep belly breaths. It's amazing, isn't it? Like mm-hmm. so simple, but we, we literally forget to breathe. Yes. Oh, we're programmed to breathe <laughs> short, sharp breaths because that in itself communicates to the body that we're under stress. So, you know, you get road rage, right? You're driving around you're like, oh my goodness, I'm rushing. All of a sudden, that's you're breathing shallower. We're back into our sympathetic state and that's telling your body store fat. Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. so powerful. So, so, so powerful. So breathing, okay, amazing. Yes. <laughs> breathing and, and specifically those, if we can do six deep belly breaths. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Is there anything else that you think that might be um, a small shift, but with a big impact that people can, people can do? Yeah, there's definitely the, the other thing that when it comes to regulating your hormones, which in turn will regulate your, your weight, right? 
um, is balancing your blood sugar levels. So I kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but if you are skipping breakfast, for example, and this is particularly important for females, if you're far, if you're trying to fast and all that sort of thing, that's going to dysregulate your hormones. If you are of reproductive age and you're fasting, you know, the 16, eight, the five, two, whatever you want to call it, it's going to throw your hormones off balance because you're not stabilizing your blood sugar levels. So mm. having regular meals every three to four hours, making sure that they are, you know, low glycemic index carbohydrates paired with some sort of, you know, if it's a snack paired with some sort of protein or fat, and then obviously well-balanced meals at breakfast, lunch, and dinner, where you've got your carbs, proteins, fats, and your vegetables. And it sounds again, so simple, but you know, when you get hangry or you skip a meal and you tend, that's when you're, you start to get hangry because your blood sugar level is going out of whack. You start to feel tired or fatigued because your blood sugar levels are dipping. So just about everything comes back to balancing those blood sugar levels to make sure that your hormones are stable, that your weight is stable, that, you know, we are regulating all the systems inside the body. Mm. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. So you're not a fan of um, intermittent fasting, I imagine. No, no, I'm not. And for that reason, yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, it works beautifully for males perfectly and it works really well for females post-menopause and if you look at any of the research it will show you that exact thing that those are the people they've tested it on there's actually very limited research in any scientific space that is tested on reproductive female ages because we are so we can be so erratic and sporadic and people's cycles are at all different times they tend to exclude us from a lot of the science so a lot of the new diets that come out and the latest trends even things like keto are all tested on males or females after reproductive age which means that you know a lot of the people that are reading this are females of reproductive age they've got their you know they might even be from the age of 13 or 14 when they've got their first cycle and this is when a lot of females start dieting and we're looking to the science that comes out but who is the science being tested on it's not being tested on those 15 year olds it's not even being tested on 30 year old females so having a look at where this research is supposedly coming from and really making an educated decision from there Mm, wow that's so fascinating I've never heard it like that that makes complete sense Mm. that makes complete sense Mm, interesting so good so (laughs) if we shift the conversation a little bit to gut health because I Mm -hmm. feel like anyone who's anyone has heard the term gut health and um you know how it's like essentially our second brain Mm -hmm. um and it's so important but I feel like it it's such a big topic and there's so much in it that Mm -hmm. it can sometimes overwhelm people and they don't take into consideration when focusing on their health. So um, can we talk a little bit about that? And and I guess, can you break down for us um, what gut health actually is and how it affects, um, how it affects us, uh, especially as women? Okay, perfect. So your gut, like you said, so beautifully, Estelle, your gut and your brain are connected and your gut is actually considered your second brain. There is even schools of thought wondering if it's the primary brain, but we won't go into that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but what happens is there's something called the vagus nerve and again this is how beautifully the body works together the vagus nerve is actually something that the parasympathetic nervous system stimulates so you know how I talked about the parasympathetic nervous system being for rest and digestion well if our body's um, in that beautiful parasympathetic state then that connection between our brain and our gut is going to be a lot better because the vagus nerve is going to be stimulated and firing on and and helping our body digest food 
So when we think about gut health, there's a lot of talk about something called a microbiome, which is essentially the variety of microorganisms that live inside the gut. So you're going to get bacteria, you're going to get virus, um, you're going to get some sorts of viruses, you're going to get fungi, you're going to get all sorts of things that live inside the gut. And not all of them are bad, not all of them are good. Now, what we want is we want to have more good guys in the gut than bad. And we also want to have as much diversity as possible. So the more diverse your gut microbiome is, the better you're going to be at fighting off different pathogens, different viruses that may not serve the body or and um, things that kind of irritate or cause inflammation it's because 70% of your immune system actually lives in your gut. Wow. So if we can opt, like, opt to try and increase the variety of our microbiome, and just a side note, we have a microbiome in our lady parts, our vagina, if that's all right to say. Yeah. Um, we have it all over the body. Even your skin can have a microbiome. But the one that we really focus on is our gut health because that's the cornerstone to your health. Essentially, um, Hippocrates said many, many, many years ago, famous like philosopher, that all disease begins in the gut. So if we can focus on nourishing the gut, getting that variety of microbiome, which comes from having a massive variety of food too, that'll help stimulate it as well as having some good probiotics and, and all of that sort of thing. Now, when it comes to relating that back to females, our guts essentially work very similarly to males, but just like everything, how it works all together. If our gut's not happy, our hormones aren't going to be happy. So our gut's responsible for, you know, a number of things, but one of them is excreting the waste or get, you know, absorbing nutrients and then putting it in a form of a bowel movement to excrete the waste from the body. So this is a lot of the time where you'll find things like your excess estrogens inside the gut if the liver's doing its job properly the problem is if our gut's not working properly if it's if we're experiencing constipation or we're not absorbing the nutrients or it's or you've got something like leaky gut um those estrogens can end up being reabsorbed back into the bloodstream circulating back into the blood being reabsorbed into a fat cell and then the fat doesn't move so mm. that's how this again this cycle starts to occur and so in this like in, in leading off that how do we know what are some examples when our gut isn't happy? Like one of them, you said when our digestion is out of whack, so perhaps mm -hmm. we're not going to the toilet as regularly as we should be. Um, we're experiencing leaky gut. Do you mind just describing that just yes. so briefly? Sure. So leaky gut is essentially when the walls of the gut or your intestines start to separate. And this can be a result of inflammation, stress, um, Food intolerances, quite often food intolerances develop from leaky gut as well. So any kind of stress that's placed on the body will separate the gut wall. And then any food that comes through during that time, remembering food's not supposed to enter the bloodstream, it gets broken down. And then some of those little molecules from amino acids, if the protein can go into the bloodstream, then the bloodstream tags that as a pathogen or a virus or something that's not supposed to be there. And we ended up um, being inflamed or developing a food intolerance and all of that sort of thing. Okay. Okay, cool. So there's a, there's a couple of signs there that we can look at to say, okay, is that we can do a kind of check on ourselves and see, is our gut potentially happy or in a good place if our digestion is um, normal and regular? And if we not, if we don't believe that we're experiencing leaky gut, is there anything else that you notice is a common sign of um, like a bad gut health? So the, I'll touch on the digestive side of things, 
a little bit deeper because your bowel movements actually tell you so much about your health. And I think this needs to be a conversation that's had a lot more. It's very taboo to talk about poo, but we go there. It's actually one of the first things I talk about with my clients. Um, so you're, you're, if you literally look at your bowel movements, it can tell you a lot of things. So for example, we should be going at least 30 centimeters a day. So if you're not going daily, that's a warning sign. Your gut's not happy. Mm. And if you're not passing, you know, at least 30 centimeters or around 30 centimeters, that doesn't have to be in one go. That could be in two or three as well. Any more than three times a day. Again, that's too often. So we start to look for these symptoms. If your bowel movements don't sink and they float, chances are you're not digesting your fat properly. So there could be something underlying with your gallbladder um, or your liver. And so there's a number, the color of it, the, um, the size of it, the shape of it. There's a number of things just in your bowel movement that can tell me a lot as a nutritionist, what's actually going on inside your gut. Wow. That's so interesting. I've never heard it explained that way. Mm. So tracking it for a week and seeing what happens can actually give you some real insight and you can start to see maybe there are some foods that are causing you even right down to bloating or gas or, you know, birthing or or reflux. All of those are signs that your digestive tract isn't doing what it's meant to do. And remember that digestion starts in the mouth when you chew. That's literally the first point of digestion, which is going to help your gut break down the rest of the food too. Mm. Okay. Amazing. So good. So in terms of if we're wanting to touch on just, and I imagine there's so many um, and every individual is, is so different, but um, what would you say is some common like holistic steps that you would give your clients um, for them to start to heal their gut? Mm-hmm. So in terms of healing your gut, it's a really hard one because everyone can be so different um, there can be things like small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, candida overgrowth, leaky gut. There's too many things to really pinpoint because like, what works for some will not work for others. But yeah. in terms of optimizing your digestion, I can give you those sorts yes, of tips. Yes, yeah. let's do that. Cool. So the number one thing, like I just said, that your digestion actually starts in your mouth. So chewing your food, and that sounds ridiculous, but how many of us inhale our food? Oh, yeah. Right? If you're not chewing... Say, say you have a piece of chicken or something and it's, it's about a two centimeter thing and you bite it a couple of times and it might end up going down as half a centimeter. You don't have any more teeth in the rest of your digestive tract. So your digestive tract goes, then goes down the esophagus into the stomach and the stomach has to work almost twice, three times, four times. It's hard to break this down before it passes it through. And then that uh, into the intestine and the intestine has to work really hard as well. And the pancreas is secreting those digestive enzymes to break it down further. So we want to make the load on the digestive tract a lot better. Mm. I remember my mom telling me one time when I was younger that I should be chewing my food for like 20 seconds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I normally say to people around 20 chews or is something that's quite easy to aim for. Another thing that's really helpful is part of the reason we eat our food so quickly is because we've shoved one mouthful in and then we're preloading the other mouthful. So put your knife and fork down between bites. Mm, Good tip. Yeah. I like that. That'll start helping your digestive digestion improve. It also gives the body enough time to realize, oh, okay, there's food coming in and start to, you know, switch on the right things and doing those deep diaphragmatic breaths before you eat 
again, because that activates our rest and digestion system, is going to stimulate the enzymes to be secreted a bit better in the mouth, the stomach acid to be produced a lot easier, all of those sorts of steps along the way. Okay, great. Love that, love that. And do you also, do you believe that it's, um, it's not great to consume water at the same time as eating? Yeah, I... Definitely is in respect to your stomach acid. So that was going to be another tip that I shared is that if you are getting reflux, or you're burping or that sort of thing, chances are your hydrochloric acid or the stomach acid isn't um, actually acidic enough to help you break down your food. And so that can happen because people drink water with their meals. Ideally, we drink about half an hour each side of the meals. But the problem with a lot of people is that they're not even drinking enough water as it is. So for me, it's about picking your battles yeah. <laughs> when it comes to clients. Like if you're drinking any less than two liters of water a day, that to me is way more focus than optimizing your stomach acid. I mean, they definitely go hand in hand, right? But your high, your body's 70% water. So depends where people need to put their priorities, but aiming for at least two liters. I mean, I drink close to six most days, which is a wow. lot, I know. But when you're active and you know, you're up for a number of hours a day and you are constantly using your brain you're going to need to stay hydrated 100% I'm definitely on the I rec, I don't know I don't track it but I drink a lot of water yes um, and I think your body just becomes like then your body becomes conditioned to it like I, it does yeah um and so another another tip you mentioned before that I just highlight again for people is that to eat diverse foods mm-hmm so um, does that look like, you know, cooking different meals, eating different ingredients, just being creative with the foods as opposed to just having like, you know, chicken, rice and veg every day or just <laughs> making sure that there's variety in what you're consuming? A hundred percent. That's exactly it. And, you know, if you can incorporate a few different herbs and spices, I mean, there's in Alyssa's book, she talks about eating to different phases of your cycle, which is incredible. Um, so you can, there's, because obviously there's four different phases of your hormone cycle or your menstrual cycle. And so there are different foods that actually work best for us at each of those times. And that naturally encourages us to eat a variety of foods as well. So you could even implement something like that, which means you, you just, it's almost automatic because you're like, well, I eat this food then and this food then. And, but if you just want to eat a variety of foods all the time, that's also completely fine. It's about making sure that those, those foods are as close to nature as possible. Oh, I love that. Okay. So if we want to dive deeper into our hormone cycles and Mm -hmm. really, um, um, aligning our, I guess, how would you describe it? Like our gut health with our hormone cycle? I think just, um, living in sync with your cycle. Living in sync. Okay. Yeah. Because you, you know, your gut health, for example, can be impacted by not living in sync with stress and that sort of thing. But also, you know, people end up and it's again, not a lovely topic to talk about, but like your period poos and that's a whole nother conversation to be having. But if we're living in sync with our cycle, the gut starts to regulate better. Cause like I said, you're eating a variety of nutrients. If we're training in sync with our cycle, we're managing our stress in sync with our cycle. We're being, you can even run your business in sync with your cycle, which is incredible. I've been hearing a lot about that recently. I feel like that's something I need to dive deeper into because I just, yes. And also recently I found out that I'm a reflector, like a human mm. in human design. And so they, everything I'm reading is just like, you have to, um, you know, start to adjust essentially your life to the cycle of the moon. And I was like, mm. wow, it's so interesting. And so if there was like, 
if you could say like at a high level, because I can imagine it's such, it's, you know, a whole podcast topic in itself, yes. but, um, <laughs> like maybe one or like one food or types of food that we maybe should be um, consciously consuming during the different phases of our cycle, what would they be? So instead of the foods, what I'll do is go into the, the way you should be cooking because that, Oh yes. Yeah. So that can be a lot easier because especially I know that I, you know, eat and sync to my cycle as best I can, but and as someone who's come from an eating disorder background or, you know, over like focused on food, sometimes it can again, feel like a diet or feeling like you're restricted. Like, Oh, I can't have broccoli at this phase. It's like, no, you can't not have it. It's just better to have during this phase. So instead of giving people that stress, what you can do is just focus on the way you cook the food, which can be a really easy shift. And that can in itself can help start to balance your hormones too. So to make Beautiful. it make, to make it make sense, if you break down the four phases of the hormone cycle, each one's actually related to a different season. And again, this ties in beautifully with the moon, like you mentioned, Estelle. So your, we'll start with our follicular phase and that is your inner spring. So this is where we, we look to maybe like sauteing food or we're still looking for those kind of fresh foods. When you think about spring, you think about the types of foods that are normally in season during that time. You think about the way you'd be cooking them because it's, it's you know, a lot lighter meals. You maybe not so heavy on the carbohydrates. You um, you opt for yeah more salads and, and sauteing and maybe stir frying some foods and that sort of thing or steaming them. So they're still quite light on the, on the digestive system. And then when we go into our ovulation, that's our inner summer. So think about how you feel when you do ovulate, you know, you're feeling um, like this confidence, you're feeling this warmth, you're feeling this almost like a little high in the middle of your month. And that's where we go for the more raw foods and really hone in on those salads. And we don't tend to cook as much because your body can actually handle it a lot better. Mm. So that, or, you know, smoothies and juices and that sort of thing can pop into that phase. And then we go into our um, luteal phase, which is our in autumn or if you're in the States, your fall season. And so that's when things start to, you know, get a bit colder on the outside. So we tend to look for warmer things to, to heat us up on the inside. And so that's where you might shift more to this roasting and baking situation where, you know, you're going for more of those warmer cooked foods that um, maybe a little bit more carbohydrate heavy um, always still having those proteins and fats and, and um, veggies and that but you may switch from salads to vegetables and roasting those and adding them to your meals and then as we go into our menstrual phase or your bleed that's out in the winter and so this is where we start to kind of almost hibernate you want to retreat so things like your soups and your stews you can still stick to some of those roasted meals as well it tends to be really nourishing and and that, that's, you know, we see this in Chinese medicine as well, that menstrual phases, even drinking cold water can be more triggering for people who get cramps and the colder foods tend to irritate, um, yes. irritate the body during that time. So when you start to think about the body in its cycle, working through the seasons, it makes it very easy to think about the types of foods you'd be having and the way you'd be cooking those foods. That is incredible. I love that so much. And I'm so glad that you that you pivoted that to how you cook your food as opposed to what types of food. That is so good. I love that. Okay. <laughs> when I, um, after I have the bub, I have to make sure that I follow this because I feel like this is something that is really speaking to me. I'll report back. Yes. Check in with me. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh, amazing. Okay. I love this. And I have another question that I think is um really important. I know that's something that you see um, very often. So, you know, 
it's so common for women to experience burnout, right? Um, mm-hmm. We've all found us, I'm sure, found ourselves in similar situations. Um, because, and naturally, getting back to this topic, what we we're talking about, it has a huge impact on our body um, mm-hmm. and our digestion and our hormones. But what shifts, what shifts have you found to be really impactful uh, that people can start to make in order to actually prevent burnout from happening? Oh, this is a good one. And I actually think it ties in. I feel like we've covered a lot of what I'd say from a nutrition perspective in terms of, you know, parasympathetic nervous system. You can see that it's getting almost repetitive because if we put the basics in place and we reduce our stress, burnout's not really going to happen, right? We're eating well, we're exercising well, we're sleeping. Sleep would probably be the biggest thing. Like people burn themselves out by not having enough sleep. So I would definitely say that like you need at least seven to nine hours and there isn't a single thing in the body that isn't affected by sleep. Not a single function that goes on. So if you're not prioritizing your sleep, that's the number one thing that's going to lead you, lead you to burnout. Well, that's why they used sleep deprivation as torture back in the day. Yes. <laughs> you understand why. Um, but one thing I want to touch on, I think it's very aligned with what you do, is something that I really notice with my clients is the people that really hit burnout are people that are very dominant in their masculine energies. Mm. And so... 100%, 100%. Actually being aware that you, you know, feel like you have to be in routine, you're constantly structured, you're on the go, because what's that doing? That mindset, that mentality, that energy behind it, which is beautiful. Masculine energy has an amazing place inside of us. And as you know, as you know and obviously teach, needs to be balanced. But that then communicates to the body, okay, increase the cortisol level. As a result, we start to see the issues with the stress, with the gut, with the hormones. And you can see it's like this knock-on effect. So if we can move into a place of balance and maybe bringing a little bit more of that feminine flow into your life, think about the fact that, you know, even your, your period is a flow and the cycle should be flowing. Like we need to be back into this kind of natural routine and rhythm of our own bodies and not necessarily so structured and forceful and having to be on all the time. And that is generally what causes the biggest part of burnout because it's people's work. hundred percent. I think that is such a powerful um, point to mention um, because that just has a huge impact on on every aspect like the way that we operate and the way that we show up and our expectations of ourselves has a flow and effect to our you know internally and mm-hmm. um, balancing out that feminine energy I think is is huge and such a beautiful way to approach it I think it's just a beautiful way to tie in all of these components um, and also I think just because we've spoke so much about, um, you know, weight loss and gut health and, and hormones, I think it's so important to know, and I, I would love to hear your perspective on this too, Sheree, is that at the end of the day, it, we, it needs to come from a place of love. Like I genuinely mm. believe you can do all the things that you can exhaust yourself sometimes with, with overload of information and, and shifts and changes. But if you don't focus on um, starting to really truly love heal and accept yourself from the inside I genuinely believe that you won't see much of a change outside and even if you do see it it's it's going to be fleeting and it's not going to it's not going to make you feel good because it comes from it comes from that deep self-love and that deep acceptance and the way that you look in the mirror as I'm sure you would have experienced as well Sheree Mm. is only going to have such a uh, what's the word like it's like a fleeting it's like a fleeting 
um, impact on you. You know, you think it's going to be the answer to your happiness. You yes. think it's going to be the answer to your confidence, but it's it's fleeting at its surface level. Oh, a hundred percent. And I think, you know, and almost on a side tangent, but not like a lot of it comes down to our inner belief system and our limiting belief in that not being enough from the inside. And we look for it from this external perspective. And that's what creates more stress. When you think about what the opposite of love is, it's fear. And what does fear create in the body? Stress, anxiety, depression, all of those sorts of things. So that will manifest in the body as a disease. You know, when you think about when you disease, it's actually broken into disease. Yeah. Yeah. And that disease state is what's going to cause the body to be out of alignment, out of feeling, you know, it's best. And, and again, like you say, that inner workings of the mind, it, it's not out there. It's actually coming from that love for you and yourself in here in your heart. hundred percent. Oh, so good. And Sharif, if anyone listening wants to find out more about the work that you do, or maybe wants to book a session or how, what's the best way that they can contact you and find out more about your services. Amazing. So Instagram is probably where I, I live at the moment. Um, so my handle is at strengthen.heal.nourish. Um, otherwise, I do have a website called sharihannawellness.com. So you can head there and there's um, more information about how to work with me or um, doing my 12-week Reclaim Your Radiance program, which is in there as well. Beautiful. So good. We'll make sure we pop them in the links pop those links in the show notes as well so you guys can access them um, and you can dive deeper on this with Cherie. So thank you so much um, for being here. I learned so much from this conversation and, um, you know, thank you for sharing a lot of, you know, this deep knowledge with us in the audience. Oh, you're so welcome. And we might have to do another one post-pregnancy, I, I was thinking. <laughs> I would love to do that. That is definitely has to be on the cards. Thank you so much, Cherie. Thanks oh, everyone Thank you for, for having me. <laughs> If you're vibing the show, please leave us a review. We would love to be of value to more fierce females and you can totally help us grow. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Fierce Female Co. And don't forget to share this episode podcast on your Instagram story. Tag us and share your top takeaway. I would love to know what you got out of the show. And this is really a great way for you to think about what value this brought to you and how you might use this in your own life. I love you. Thank you for listening. Wishing you all the love, light and fierceness and we'll see you soon.